Welcome to the CX, AI, and Outsourcing Podcast, a show about the people, technology, and economics that are shaping the customer support industry. My name is John Walter, and today we have a conversation with the one and only Juanita Coley. I've seen her content all over LinkedIn. I've been impressed by it. But now, today, after having this conversation with Juanita myself, I see the reasoning behind the rave. People are crazy about Juanita because she brings so much passion and skill to the topic of workforce management. And I love having my own podcast because I feel free to explore important topics such as theology and its implications and work and how we can inspire ourselves and others to perform at their highest levels. Let's jump into it. Juanita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I really enjoy following your content on LinkedIn, and you have an inspiring story, and I consider you call center royalty, and I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to talk today. Thank you so much, John, for the invite. Um, I'm always humbled when I get an invite to uh, connect with people and share a message and share purpose, so let's do it. I'm excited. My favorite thing to do is to talk with people about what they're most passionate about. And I know that you are all about employee experience. And so that's going to be the topic of today's conversation is all about the employee. And so can, can you kind of step back? I want to hear your story as an employee. So can you tell me about how you first got started in the call center? Absolutely. So I was a teen mom. So most people uh, that hear this story, they're like, this girl always sleeps with this story. But I was a teen mom, um, which is why I'm very, very passionate about employee experience. I started off in the call center. My junior, senior year in high school, I had what was called OJT. I'm not sure if they even still do that or not, but it's on the job training. It's where you work a, a job for high school credit. So I was always fairly academically advanced. So instead of having regular classes, I took OJT because I needed to work to take care of my child. And so I found myself working in a call center and I'll never forget my first account. I was uh, taking calls for Mall of America. They have a Simon gift card. And I remember just vividly getting cursed out all the time (laughs) because what they did was the gift card. And this is a common practice. But with gift cards, if you don't use a gift card after a certain amount of time, then they take fees off, you know, like 50 cents or a dollar a month or whatever the case may be to encourage you to use the card. Well, this is what was happening. And so I got all the calls that were, or it seems like at the time, it was all the calls that were about that. And um, people wouldn't use the card for five years and get ready to use the card and it's worth $2. And they're like, where did my $50 go? And you got, you know, getting cursed out. So anyway, I was sitting in the call center one day and I was sitting, taking calls. I picked up a blue pumpkin book, which is now variant. So I know I'm dating myself, but um, I started to read the manual and it took me into a place of like, I call it divine intervention because something about it just resonated with me. Like, oh, if I can grasp the concept of the things that are being talked about in this book, book, then I can fundamentally change the trajectory of my life. And that's exactly what happened. So I self-taught myself workforce management and the discipline of it. And that went on to change my life. So I went on to work in call centers like your United Healthcare, your Liberty Medicals, your Walgreens, running their workforce management departments. And that was kind of my experience from agent to moving into other areas within the contact center. 
Amazing. And so I really appreciate the perspective that you're able to bring because now you're a consultant and it's solid rock consulting, correct? Absolutely. And, and so you have a perspective into so many different organizations and helping them improve their workforce management. And you come from a place of being on the front lines and taking the most difficult calls at a stage in your life where you employee experience was very important I've got some young kids and, you know, you have employee experience and you just have like human experience <laughs> and they shape yes, the human yeah. experience. I mean, three times last night, I mean, both kids at different times. I think it was today's Halloween is being recorded on Halloween. I think it was like some like spiritual warfare brought it, brought in by the <laughs> Halloween spirit or something. And, and both of them, I mean, uh, you know, just a few hours of sleep and, and, you know, if, if people without kids just can't relate sometimes, you know, I had a big career change because of a, my employee experience as a lawyer was, in my opinion, impacting my ability to parent. And so I, I really just um, really look forward to this conversation. So let's, let's dive into employee experience. How do you define this topic? You know, when I think about employee experience, I think about it very similar to how people define brand. Brand is not just a logo. It's not just a color. It's not just some pretty saying. Brand is what people say about you and your company when you're not in the room. Not just when you're in the room. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's the brand, right? And so when I think about employee experience, I think of it very much so the same. Employee experience, true employee experience or good employee experience is not what the employer says on their mural. It's not what's in their mission statement. While these things are great and they're you know, I think important. It's what your employees say when they're not in the room. It's would I refer someone to work here? Not because you get a, give a referral fee, but because I can trust my family and my friends with this organization that they're going to treat them with respect, dignity. They're going to challenge them in ways that are going to allow them to thrive. I think that's what employee experience is. And it can be hard. I'm a business owner. I have employees and, you know, managing all of those things and those dynamics you know, I'm constantly saying, okay, yeah, how do we do this? But I think it's definitely important. I love that definition. And it's without a doubt that what is said by employees to each other and to their loved ones is far more important than the motivational posters on the wall inside the building. I mean, that is what's going to define sure. the entire culture. Yeah. Like I was recently, I was telling you this a little while ago, right? I was saying, I saw this, so it's definitely not my own, but after I quote it probably two or three times, it will be. <laughs> you gotta own it. <laughs> but I, <laughs> it'll be mine. But I saw this on a poster quote somewhere and it was saying, employee experience is how your employees feel on Sunday night. That feeling they get in their stomach on Sunday night, yep. right, is is um, employee experience. Do Are they happy? Are they excited? about the job that they get to do because we get to do work. Yeah. You know, we get to work. And so when we don't love what we do, we, we aren't passionate about the people we're impacting and the work that we're doing. I think that that's a problem. You know, like that's fundamentally a problem. And I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty of going on a theological direction. And because it's so interesting, we are created to work, right? So from like a Judeo-Christian perspective, there's this presence of work in the Garden of Eden prior to sin entering the picture in Genesis chapter 3. And as a result of sin, work is hard. Work is very hard, harder than it should be. But at its core, 
work is a fundamentally beautiful, glorious, wonderful thing. It's one of the few things as humans that we can tolerate in such large doses. I mean, we can work so much, need a little bit of sleep, but you can work. (laughs) I mean, without work, the impact between a person's quality of work and their performance at work, it spills over in every aspect of life. You see it in the studies that show the presence of a parent in parallel to how productive they are at work that day, right? So if you knock it out of the park at work on Monday, you're going to go home for dinner Monday night and you're going to be a joyous parent and a present parent. And if you don't have work, I'd rather lose sleep than lose work. I would. You take take away anything. You don't even have to pay me. I, I still want to work. But praise God, I've got a job that pays me, that I enjoy, and that doesn't conflict with my conscience. Yes. That's a good that's a good part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree, which is why I think employee experience is so important to me. And the vein in which we at Solid Rock deliver employee experiences through workforce management, that just happens to be our lane of genius. Right. But when we think about work, you know, you sent me on a whole tangent. I, I have a thing for words. So work, the definition of work. Right. If we just look this up in the dictionary, it's an activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. And so you're absolutely right. Work is not meant to be something that is laborious or something that we don't want to do or that we're like, oh, my God, I got to go to work. It's meant to fulfill purpose. The things that you're doing. You should be passionate about. You should be fulfilling purpose. It is takes up mental capacity is the reason for which you exist. And so think about people that are doing work that's not fulfilling. It's not purposeful. They're in these jobs where, you know, the employer is just like having them do things and they have a poor employee experience. They're not um, helping them career advance. They're not engaging the employee. They just want, hey, I want this particular task done for the fulfillment of whatever it is that I want to get done so that the whole person is complete. And I think when we think about companies. It's about the whole person being complete. Our work should take our whole person. It shouldn't be a separation of me personally, right? I don't believe that work is separate from what I do. I'm watching the football game with my husband and I'm thinking about workforce management because I see workforce management in, you know, sports. Literally, true story. We were watching a championship a couple years back and I think it was Golden State that won. This was actually lots of years back at this time. They weren't predicted to win, but they did. And my mind immediately went to workforce management like, man, I wonder, did they, how is it going to impact travel? Did they plan for this? You know, trunking capacity about like, you know, like uh, travel industry, like the phone lines and different things like that. My mind immediately went to that. How I serve is in the way of workforce management. I'm always thinking about resources and how we forecast better, how we schedule people better so that they can get better productivity. So I'm saying all that to say that I don't believe that our work and what we do is separate from our day-to-day lives. Now, we may add a degree of separation because we have other things that we need to do. But I think that work is a core part of why we were created and what we were created to do. And so it should definitely be enjoyable. How do you help organizations appreciate the full person in an industry that is so commoditized? My expertise and professional work is in helping companies 
in the selection of outsource vendors. And, you know, outsource vendors are usually just being chosen on very strict metrics. And, and I, I imagine these metrics are just getting passed down into the employees, or especially if it's a very large company, they're focusing on getting the price as low as possible. And then the, the outsource vendor is sometimes willing to make sacrifices on their margins in order to win a big brand name client. And I can only imagine that can have an impact on the quality of the experience that the employee has. And so I'm sure that you're working more so with the internal operations of a company as can Compared to an outsource vendor, but I'm very interested to hear because I'm sure in those environments are still the very similar pressures about how how you mm-hmm. help organizations to deliver higher results through greater employee experience, and in particular, I think it's getting to, down to that point of the recognition that how, how do you bridge the gap between the a person being a unit of production to a person being a person with emotions and goals and families and and strong desires. I think that's an excellent question because if I put my CEO business hat on, the one that has to meet payroll and have margins and all the different things, right? I'm always thinking productivity. I'm always thinking, okay, how do I make sure that I'm doing, I'm reaching maximum capacity and I'm being as productive as possible. However, that hat doesn't change when I start to talk about employee experience. It's the same hat. How do I do that while keeping core center and at the forefront of what I'm doing? And the answer for me has always been purpose. What is the purpose in which I'm enacting? So I carry that over to organizations when I'm talking to them about workforce management, when I'm talking to them about customer experience, and when I'm talking to them about employee experience. Those are generally the three lanes that an organization is going to engage with us on. How do we improve our customer experience? Uh, How do we improve our employee experience? And how do you do that? And again, our specific lane of genius, which is workforce management, we see that through that lens of workforce management. And so we always go back to purpose. What is the purpose in which you're doing what you're doing? Uh, Whether that is, hey, I want to have all of my calls be answered accurately the first time. So we have an FCR, first call resolution metric, or, hey, I have a service level goal of 80, 30, 80% of my calls need to be answered in 30 seconds or less. Or, hey, I want to make sure that my employees are working this particular shift. What is the purpose (laughs) Right. Like if we get to purpose, many times if we can get to the core of what it is, then our goals in our individual organizations, that sets the bar, which is why it kind of makes me twitch a little bit, John, when I hear industries or companies say, oh, what's the industry standard? You know, like what's the industry standard service level? Well, are your customers their customers? Because if your customers aren't their customers, it ain't no industry standard, <laughs> right? Like, who are you trying to serve? It's, it's kind of like when my mom growing up, I don't know if your mom said this, but my mom would say this. Don't come over here telling me about Sally House, okay? Sally House is not my house, okay? How I run my house is how I run my house, okay? It's the same thing like with companies and their customers. Your customers are your customers. So your customer experience and what they're expecting from you is going to determine what kind of standards you put in place, what kind of systems, what kind of processes, all of those different things. So keep your eyes on your own sheet of paper instead of looking over X, Y, and Z company that's doing, they implemented this amazing digital first strategy. They have a different customer 
And even if they have a very similar customer, their customer may have asked for that for a particular reason. So again, I'm saying all that to say that purpose is at the heart of everything that we do. We always generally are asking, what's the purpose of what you're trying to do? How does that impact your customer? How does that impact the employee? Because yeah, you may have a great strategy, but it's going to fundamentally disrupt the way your employees engage in your business, which means you're going to have a poor employee experience, which is then going to trickle over into your customer experience. So they're all interwoven. I tend to look at it, but it always goes back to purpose. What's the purpose of what it is you're trying to do, whether that's metric, whether that is particular process, whether that's implementing a system, changing your digital strategy, all all those different things. What's the purpose? Yeah, great point about the impact of employee experience pouring over into customer experience. We've all had that anecdotally happen to us as customers, right? Whether you're in person or on the phone. If you're talking with someone who loves what they do and they love being there, it shows, shines through. Absolutely. And so what do you see as some of the best ways to increase the passion of the employee? I imagine part of it might be a feeling of upward mobility. Like there's a hope for a brighter future that is instilled in them and Mm -hmm. and to the extent. And so I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. But then also, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how to help employees who have an unhealthy perspective of work. It sounds like you and I have a very similar worldview when it comes to how do we approach work, how we wake up wanting to work. I have some friends who are very, eh, I don't like my job. I just show up and I'm like, well, you got to leave. You got to get a side hustle, start doing something, like do something and get a get. You need a game plan for five years from now. You can be somewhere else. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, I just want to watch football this weekend. You know, it's like, and so I'm curious, how, how do you instill your passion for delivering excellence as the standard within an organization? Yeah, you know, that's such a large question, but the latter half of it is one that I'm super passionate about around. Sometimes what the root of that is, John, a lot of times when people are not uh, aspiring to more is generally is hopelessness or fear. Like they feel, why try? They haven't seen. I'll say this, and I'm sure, again, I've taken this from somewhere. I'm a collector of wisdom and great thoughts. So I'm sure I've taken this from somewhere. But I heard someone say this once, you can't be what you can't see. And so representation matters in seeing the path to where you want to be. And so a lot of times there's a lot of hopelessness in organizations and a lot of fear of wanting more for whether they feel like, you know, my supervisor is not going to give me the opportunity or I'm going to be looked at as, a, you know, know it all or I'm going to do all this work and I'm not going to get recognized for the work. Right. And so I think organizations have to it's twofold. It's on the organization as well as the employee. So organizations have to do a better job at highlighting career paths. Like, hey, this is where you are. And then implementing what I like to call micro training, micro training around this is how you get here. This is a clear path to it because a lot of people just are not going to figure it out. It just so happened that I picked up a book. okay, and that set me on a path to workforce management. But that's not likely. That's not everyone. Everyone's not just going to be like, oh, do, 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 do. Let me see what our CRM tool does and let me figure out how to, you know, move into Salesforce or let me see what our phone system does. Let me move into, you know, this new phone uh, admin for the phone. People aren't going to do that if they don't 
one, they're doing their full time job, their day job. And then you want them to kind of figure out these paths that are kind of mysterious and not known. So that's one thing I think organizations have to do a better job at career pathing and and helping people highlight those career paths. Second, I think we have to get to the root of what people are good at. A lot of times people are moved into roles because they were a good worker. Companies assume that they're going to be a good leader. And that is not the case. So just because you were skilled at the job and the tasks that you're doing, that does not mean that you're going to be a good leader and can lead and mentor people. And so you have a whole group of leadership that is out there that are leading people and supposed to be mentoring people. And they don't know how to mentor people. They don't know how to see an inherent skill set in a person and say, Ah, I think you would be good at doing this because all they were really good at, the reason they got promoted in the first place is because they were good at the skill, not good at leadership and mentoring, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that is a, a key thing that organizations have to do is get leaders, leaders trained. Yeah, yeah, two great points. So highlighting career paths and through micro training. So I imagine that's focus them very specifically on here's your next step. Here's your next guidepost. You need to go, you're going to climb up the hill to that point right there and you're going to take these steps and that's where it's going to take you. And so it's just like clear paths. You're going to be knocking out tangible goals along the way. That's a very interesting topic in and of itself. Yeah, you're seeing training like this implemented in the system in a systematic format. Like so when you think about Trailhead for Salesforce, they have micro type of training where you can take bits and pieces. So if organizations implemented that same type of concept when it came to career pathing, hey, you want to work in marketing, you know, you're on the phones right now. These this is a path to get to uh, marketing in micro types of training. Yeah. Right. But it is so much more to that. We could be talking forever. Forever. And it's such an important topic. Even when it comes to just like the personal performance for like for individuals, there's a you know, there's several different trains of thought that will pour into this same conclusion that small victories build upon themselves. And defeats, minor defeats spiral downwards. People are either spiraling up or they're spiraling down. And, Absolutely. and there's a there's a famous it's become famous, like YouTube famous uh, commencement speech. I think it was University of Texas. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's called, uh, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Have you heard of this? Mm, no, 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 no. Google the, the commencement speech. I think it summarizes the book in like a few minutes. And, and oh, it's, wow. but he, he was, uh, I think he was in the Marine Corps and he was talking about lessons he learned from the Marines. And one of them is the importance of the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is do a perfect job making your bed because one success builds upon the next. So you just knock out that first task that gives you momentum to take the next one and the next one. One of my close friends who I love dearly has been struggling with depression. I know everyone listening to this is like, who are John's friends? They don't want to work. They're depressed. <laughs> but but this is a different friend. And 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 I have lovely, amazing friends. And I um and I try to keep in touch with them. Just gotta put, yeah, that put it out there. there. I love you guys. Put that out there. And 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 he was telling me he was like having, you know, some difficulty doing just like a basic things that every human should be, you know, doing just like when it comes to personal care and he wasn't doing it. And, and I, through just conversations, just like an encouragement, he was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this small thing. And he got down to where he was doing that every day. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make my bed every day. And he got to where he was like making his bed every day. A few weeks later, he's calling me and he's like, man, like I'm on a roll. My relationship with my wife is so much better. I'm going to start awesome. exercising now. Come yeah, on, come exercise. on. And, and, and it's like, the, it's the momentum. And that's what really makes me 
and go bonkers when I see employers who come down harsh on employees. I've seen people get yelled at for honest mistakes outside of the call center environment, more like in the law firm environment. And take somebody who could be spiraling up and then you just smack them down with a baseball bat. I mean, it's just sends them in the opposite direction. And so yeah. that whole concept of the micro training towards career paths just reminds me of that concept of building people up and up and up and up. They might start off here. So many people end up in the customer support industry. They end up loving it and they end up leading great organizations and like massive budgets. And they just started on the phones and they're saying, hey, actually, I love this. Yeah. You never know who that person is going to be. They might be the global right. vice president of customer support overseeing a $20 million budget in 10 years. You never know. Yeah. And and then the yeah. second thing that you talked about, which is very important, is that you got to put people in positions where they are operating in their strengths. That's just absolutely critical. That's it's a big part of, of finding joy in the work you do. I think it's less important to be in a industry that you're passionate about than it is to be operating in a role where you are performing from a position of strength. You know, that's so good. And I think that people don't really get the differences. They think that, oh, I'm passionate about this. Yeah, but you suck at it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Versus you're actually good at this thing, right? And you can learn to be, you can learn to be passionate about it because you're so good at it. It becomes, it, it's a natural thing to you that where it would have stressed someone else out, you're graced for it. So was I necessarily passionate about workforce management? Absolutely not. But I'm amazingly good at it. I'm amazingly good at conveying the concepts and making it a simple thing. And so through being good at it and it finding that that's one of my strengths and I can do it effortlessly, it frees me up. It frees that stress of what would have normally stressed somebody else out. I can move it in, in grace and move in it with ease. And so... Now I can perfect it. I can be better at it. And now I'm passionate about it because I'm not necessarily passionate about the workforce management part of it per se. I'm passionate about the connecting of the people and how it connects customer experience to employee experience and how businesses get better outcomes. And they're seeing ROIs and how people's lives are impacted and changed and transformed. The workforce management part of it is like, oh, OK, great. I get to do that. But it's the byproduct of it that I'm super passionate about. Yeah, And then you start getting that feedback loop from success where it's like, hey, like you're getting yeah. people at work are complimenting you. You're getting raises. You're getting promotions. And it's one thing builds on another. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't. I mean, if you're just knocking out of the park at your work, you're going to love it. Period. Absolutely. Well, Juanita, I, we're coming close to the end of the time I have allotted on your calendar. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? You can find me. Oh, you can find me. You can <laughs> on the channel approach. Right? You can find you can find me on uh, LinkedIn is where I'm I'm generally at a lot, but I'm also on Instagram and on. Twitter and on YouTube. And you can also go to solidrockco.net, which is our website. And um, I do a lot of community give back. So you can find me at Juanita Coley as well. Um, JuanitaColey.com. Awesome. Well, Juanita, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Any customer support leaders who would like some inside counsel on how to run your workforce management more smoothly, please give Juanita a call. And meanwhile, hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for having me, John. 
Special thanks to Juanita for taking the time to be on the show today, and thank you for listening. If anything Juanita said resonated with you, be sure to reach out to her. All relevant links are provided in the show description. You all be good, and I'll see you next week.